This is Grit, show formerly known as Quit, about making a change in your life, facing challenges, improving your career, making tough decisions, and starting something awesome. You can call in live to the show. It's a, an all-call-in show today. That's right. All-call show. That is the voice of Hattie Cook. Hello. I'm Dan Benjamin. The number to dial since you're listening live. Oh, Hattie, could you please send out the tweet and the push notification sure to people to let them know? The number to dial is 512-518-5714. That number again, 512, area code of Austin, Texas, 518-5714, number to dial on your phone. Call in. To be a guest on this show. This is your chance. This is your 15 See, you're loud. minutes of fame. You're way loud. I'm I love barely... it. You're, no, you're perfect today. Like my levels are the, perfect? The way that you're addressing the mic. Oh, the good. mic technique is perfect. Nice. I'm sending the tweet out. It should go out very soon. I'm going to go tweak your, going to go tweak your, uh, your audio, audio a little, a little bit. bit. Is it, is it that it's too loud or that it's perfect or that I'm being too loud? Cause I don't feel like I'm being very loud right now. I feel like I'm I'll much louder your, than the I'll edit your track out in post. Just edit the whole the thing The whole out. track, yeah. Just delete it. Yeah. yeah. It'll be me talking to myself like usual. So I said before I started the show, thank you for sending the, the push Did it go out? I don't know. I got a, we, we're sorry, but something went wrong. Are you serious? <laughs> Everything's breaking today. I will send the tweet myself manually. Okay. And there will be no push notification. You really got an error when you did that. Yep. Who wrote this piece of crap CMS? I'm not sure. It used to be great. No, it's out. It's out. What do you mean? There's no, it, there's no problem with it. I think it, it just said, you. Okay. Ma- I'm going to send it again. Okay. Just in case. And, uh, and we'll wait and see. Because Chad did something. See how I can always push the blame off? Right. You Somebody just, came in here Chad, and changed things. Chad did somebody something. Somebody changed something in here. Yeah. Yeah. It's warm in here. It's really warm. Let me I'm, change it. Nope. I have the, a jacket. No, because this is the way I want to explain things to you. Um, the way I would think one thing's to work around here. Okay. 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 Since you're station manager. Yes. I want things to be set up before the show starts. But once the show starts, we're locked into whatever the scenario is. <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. So assume that this door is bolted from the outside and you can't get out. And there's no handle on the inside. If you. That's always one of my biggest fears is to be in a room with no door handle on the inside. That's, that's, uh, yeah. See, look at that. Great. That it, it went out fine. <laughs> okay, good. It went out beautifully. Perfect. I don't know. This is probably the last episode of the show I'm ever going to do. That's why I want to let people call in. Well. And I said before the show started, I tweeted out. I said, if, if I don't get four calls starting out, I will not do the show. So we've got four calls on the line. But I actually changed that. Oh. I changed that to eight. Now, if I don't get eight calls, I'm not going to do. Because it's from now on. Not going to do another from show? Now, so here's or? what I'm going to say. From now on, there's, the, and I'll make a deal with everyone. Okay. Okay. <laughs> from now on, this will be a call-in only show. No more guests. Because guests are box office poison to yep. this show. Before I had get a couple guests on this show. I kid you not, we had about 40,000 downloads. We don't always share our numbers. I'm fine sharing numbers. We had about 40,000 downloads. Yep. A week. Per episode. That's good number. Yeah, very good. That was when the show was in its prime. I had on a guest, 20, 25,000. Yeah. Had on another guest, 10, 15,000. Stop doing guests. Don't do more like, call-ins again. Numbers go back 30, 40,000 again. Yep. They just like you. People like they you, They like Dan. me being angry callers, apparently. Well, that's easy. And that's what we're going to do. That's what we'll deliver. I can and deliver And we'll answer that. some questions from the chat room, too. <clears throat> What? Nothing. No, we can do that. You don't want to do that? 
Coffee's for closes only. No, that's fine. There's a bunch of people in there. We uh, we have uh, recently w- watched or started watching a new oh, film. Yes. <laughs> film is called Mommy Dearest, M O M M I E, Mommy Dearest. This is a movie that Hattie has never seen before that I thought was required watching for working at Five by Five. Tina, bring me the axe. The, her reaction, my favorite moment <laughs> in the whole movie of the whole movie. I know what you're gonna say. Oh, do you? Uh huh. Keep All going. Right. I'll tell. I'll, I'll say, it and you say if that's what you thought uh, it was going to be. She. It's the wire hanger scene. Actually, I have a second favorite moment, but it's the wire hanger scene, and maybe this will be a sort of a jumping off point for people today as far as topics. The wire hanger scene, and she has uh, found a wire hanger, which is not allowed. And she's going through all of them, and she says, "Let's see how many wire hangers are in here." And she's thrown pretty much all of the poor girl's uh, clothes the out of the clothing. closet. And the boys, apparently. For n- no reason. <laughs> and she finds one, and it's her reaction to just, fu- oh, uh, it's just. Another one. <laughs> that's my favorite moment in the whole film. I like, okay, I like, I, that's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought think right I when she's, she's kind of browsing around, I don't know why, in the middle of the night in her children's closet. And she's like looking at all the pretty dresses that she's bought for her daughter and, she's, uh, and the little pink hangers. And she's making sure they're like the perfect width apart and everything. Yeah. And then her hand kind of rests on one that has a wire hanger. Yeah. It's hanging on a wire hanger. And her face just kind of, it freezes and she's just looking at it. It's as if there was, you know, she had pulled back the curtain and there was someone there you know, throwing up in the closet or something. It was pure disgust. And, and that one, I thought that's what you're going to say. No, Cause, it, I mean, cause she good. just lingered staring at the wire hanger for a long time, but that was a good, it's a good movie. I like it. Where, where did we, where'd you tell me to pause? I don't remember. Oh, uh, right after the daughter is in starting college. Right. Yeah, on that Cause you're, you wanted, you wanted to talk about it before that. And after that. Right. So I'm actually, I am seeing some, what we call in the, in the business, audio leakage of your track on mine, which means you're projecting a little too much. I'm not being that loud. I like that. Because at, what Aaron told me last week is that because of the way we have this room set up now, mm-hmm. that if I project too much, that we get some reverb on your track. We get some of my audio I thought we had on your track. I know, but I think panels. something changed. The new desks, the new desks maybe, maybe changed yeah, it. Yeah, something. Something changed it. So what he said is... You could project a little less. So I'm I, as we just as you like talk. To be very loud. Uh, yeah. Well, we get loud. I get upset. <laughs> but he he said he was able to edit a lot of it in post. Okay. Well, that's good. So the reason that I mentioned this movie is uh, is because I, I I was thinking about a lot of the time people's reactions. You know, there's so many other ways that you can react when other people do something that you don't like or say something you don't, you don't like or do something in a passive aggressive way in the situation that you're in, especially in the workplace, right? Somebody responds. I mean, this is more, you can, you can see this in personal life too, right? Mm-hmm. I was saying within the context of work, where somebody makes a comment, somebody says something. We were talking just the other day about the 90-10 rule. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I liked that. 90-10. What does that mean, Dan? This was explained to me by a friend uh, who I guess she had been through a lot of therapy and she would always, she'd always, she would say like, 
we'd be kind of, we work together and I'd be talking to her and I'd be like, Oh, I can't believe this thing happened. And she'd be like, 90, 10, Dan, 90, 10. We're like, what's that mean? And what 90, 10 means, and I don't know if this is true, but it's an, it's a neat way to think of it is if you provide, if you're communicating with somebody and you're trying to communicate with them openly and honestly and with, uh, you know, with, with a genuinely good intention and you say to them, Hey, you know, here's something I was wondering if you could help me with, uh, this thing happened and maybe we could do it differently next time or something, you know, you're communicating with them the best way you can about whatever the problem is, whatever's come up, something you want or need or something that bothered you. And they have a reaction to you, Hattie, that's going to be incredibly, what would seem to be an over the top reaction. Yep. A reaction that's like way stronger than what you were expecting. Or they say something that's passive aggressive or they say something that's just plain mean or or they ignore you or whatever. You have to remind yourself that that interchange, their response, that's 90% them, 10% you. Right. 90% them, 10% you. They get to decide how they respond. Right. And how they react. And if, if you're putting it all out, you know, obviously it's like, hey, you're a real jerk for doing that. Well, then, then, then they still have a 90-10 rule. Right. You can laugh it off if you want and right. be like, ha, you're the jerk. I love you, you idiot. Right. And then, right. you know, or, or you can, what do you mean jerk? Why did you call me a jerk? You have a choice. Excuse me? Right. They so have a can, choice and you have a choice. Or you can go cry in the bathroom. There's lots of Just choices. Just hold it inside, uh, inside and, and never show your emotions <laughs> until you die. Become, that's also a good, good tactic. That's my Just advice. Push it down. But no, we w- we will not be talking about uh, podcasting on this show ever again. I will never have another guest on this show ever again. Rules of grit. No more guests. No more podcast um, I, because talk. At, at this rate, <laughs> if I have four or five more guests, there will be no, no listeners because it cuts it in half every time I have a guest. Doesn't matter who the guest is. It's the weirdest thing. It is strange. I don't think, I don't know if people are like, oh, I don't. They just like you to talk. I guess. So I'm still waiting on four more callers. That's why I haven't started taking calls. I'm just killing time. I thought it was four calls to take the show. Four calls to start the show. Eight calls before I. To do the next show. No, 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 no. There is no next show. Oh. No. So here's the deal. (laughs) This is, quit is from now, grit, whatever you call it. From now on is a call-in only show. Uh Uh-huh. That's the deal. That's your half, not you, the, the listeners. Right. That's their part of the agreement. My part of the agreement with them is I'll do the show consistently at the same time every week and I'll announce the show and promote it and actually start it when I say I'm going to. So we'll, that'll be our trade-off. And there has to be eight calls. But I've got to get four calls before I start the show. So if the show's starting late, that's your, not you, that's their fault. Okay. That's you, listener. That's your you fault. You, listener, right. 512-518-5714. We got lines open. The funny thing is we don't actually have a limit to the number of calls that we can get. No? in. I think it's like 24 calls or something. Yeah. So you want the show to continue? You don't want it to continue. That's fine. I don't care. I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> what? There are um, some questions in the chat room we could talk about while we wait for the calls. Well, I feel like I should take at least one of these calls uh, in a minute. I don't want to make them wait too long. Somebody's already been on hold 30 minutes. The show's only been going on for 16 minutes uh, or 15 minutes, and there's someone on hold for 30 minutes. I like so that. I, They're ready. That's what I want. Then I want, take their call. 
No, I would like to take the questions in the chat room first. Okay. Uh, let's start with, let me look at these. Okay. Uh, a, an anonymous jackal. Okay. Says, I'm a freelancer who got into my business with one major client who now makes up uh, for nearly 80% of my income. Ooh, but as time has passed, the expectations and workload have become much more demanding. Yeah, I'm tired of dealing with the pressure they've put me under, and it almost seems like they're trying to treat me as if I were an employee. I guess my main question slash topic is with how to deal with increased demands or end expectations when the pay has not increased either. So let me, let me explain something to you. And I'm speaking from direct experience in exactly this situation. You start out, you're doing freelance, right? You're doing freelance, you're enjoying your freelance career, working on different projects. And then you realize after you've been doing that for a little while, hmm, this is kind of tricky. Because not only am I doing the work, but I'm also trying to get new clients. I'm trying to get new customers. I'm trying to promote my business. So on the one hand, you've got the work. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you've got finding new business and lining it up. And number three, you've got promotion, lead generation. The leads are weak. You're weak. <laughs> Put that coffee down. And Put- basically, <laughs> you're in a situation now where you're already doing three or four jobs. And after a while, this will take its toll on you. Because a lot of the time, imagine I, I often use a software developer as an example. A designer works just as well as an example. But basically, you're out there in the world. You're peddling your, your, your work. You have to be working hard to get your name out there. You do this, it, it, it burns you out a little bit. So what happens next? Next, you think to yourself, man, if I could just get like a couple big clients, just a couple then I, I could scale back the amount of time I'm spending marketing and the amount of time I'm spending writing proposals and the amount of time I'm, all of that kind of goes uh, to, to uh, uh, occupy less of your time in a day, which is great. Like three big fish instead of 50 little ones. Exactly. Well, a lot of the time, I mean, it's really hard to find a client who's willing to put you on retainer or, you know, write you out a big check every month. So when you find one, you're like, oh man, you know, Big client, they're 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 giving me uh, they're giving me a lot of time. Eventually, like uh, this anonymous jackal, okay, they're sitting there saying, "Man, they're giving me eighty percent. That's awesome." Now I can just kind of take incoming work as it comes in. I don't need to sweat, search, try finding all these other. Oh, I can just sort of hang back, and I'll do the eighty percent work. Well, that's great, but let me explain the downside of this: is that now. That big company has you bent over their knee. And let me explain why. Mm -hmm. You're now relying on them as if you were their employee. And don't get confused. We've talked about this before. If you're a freelancer, you are not your own boss. You just have a lot of other bosses. Right. (laughs) You get to decide what you work on and when in, in a given day. But you just have lots of other bosses. That's it. You're not sitting there running your own thing and doing what you know. Don't, don't kid yourself. You just have more bosses. It's like you work at six companies. Exactly. That's exactly what it's like, Hattie. <laughs> all part-time, right. <laughs> and you've got to balance and manage all those and invoice them and wonder why they're not paying you. Well, now you find one that pays on time and giving you 80% of the thing. 
but you get none of the benefits of being their employee. Because I'll tell you what, here's another way to think about it. When you have had a full-time job, most of the time, you're not wor- you're in, you may be at work eight or nine hours a day, maybe even 10 hours, maybe more, but you're not working all of that time. There's a lot of time where you're hanging out in the break room. You're eating lunch with some, you go to lunch. Going over to somebody else's cubicle and hanging, hanging out. out, talking. And you know, I know you when you're sitting in your cube, you're, you watch YouTube. I know you do. Maybe you look at vines on your phone. Maybe you're texting, chatting, doing email that's personal. That's just, you're just living your life. There's nothing wrong maybe with that. Maybe some Tumblr, maybe but you're some not, Pinterest. You're not spending eight of those eight or 10 of those 10 hours working. You're just not. But chances are, if you're working as a freelancer and you're billing and invoicing for that time, then generally speaking, you if, are. You, then you are. And they know that too. Let me explain some other things. They may be paying you a nice hourly rate. Chances are that hourly rate is much less than you should be getting. And it's definitely much less than what they would be paying if you were a full-time employee. Because then they'd also be covering your benefits, They, generally speaking. They might be covering your benefits. They might be giving you health care. They might be giving you a 401k. They might be providing a computer to you. They might be providing an office for you to work in. They might be providing you with paid time off. All of these are things that come with a full-time job. When you're a freelancer, they don't pay none of it. None of it. They pay you for what you do, and that's it. You, you want to do the work? You got to get your own computer, your own office. You got to figure out your own health care. Freelancing is generally not, not always the best answer. It can be nice, but it's not always the best answer. So what happens when you're sitting there doing work for someone else, and it's 80% of your work, you pull back on advertising your other work, and now they've kind of got you trapped, don't they? They kind of have a, maybe they're not golden handcuffs, but they're silver handcuffs on. <laughs> Pewter. Pewter handcuffs. <laughs> because they know that you need that work because you're not out there selling, you know, soliciting and trying to get other stuff. They have power over you. Totally. And it's worse than being a full-time employee in some ways. Uh, because now, like uh, this jackal is sitting there saying, talking about, they're saying, you know what, I'm doing more work and I have harder work and I have more responsibilities, but I'm not being treated like an employee. I have none of the benefits of being an employee. What do I do about that? Well, I'll tell you what you do. You make a choice. And you've got basically three choices. A, deal with it. <laughs> uh, be lucky that you have a client who's willing to pay you consistently. Just deal with it. Keep doing it. That's choice A. Choice B is... Start finding other jobs and tell these guys you get to scale back on it and start going back and finding other jobs. And instead of them paying 80%, they'll pay 50, 30, 30 yeah, yeah, 20, find more work and do it. Or C, go to them and say, gosh, guys, you know what? Uh, you're like 80% of all of, uh, all of my work. And I really like working with you, but you know what? Gosh, the job has kind of changed and I'm doing more stuff now. And, you know, it's almost like I am an employee. I would really like to become an employee. Mm-hmm. So make me an employee. That's kind of your three options. I guess there's a fourth option, which would raise, be... Just raise your rates. Yeah, not a bad one. So then I'll give you a fifth option. Your <laughs> fifth option would be to hire somebody to help you do the work of either writing the code or the doing the design or the writing or whatever this person is doing. And at the same time, uh, start finding new work that you do yourself or that you outsource to one of these other people. 
you essentially transition from doing the work into managing the work right. and hire other people to do it uh, and grow that, grow it as a business. Too often I find that freelancers think of what they're doing as I'm just out there doing work. You mm-hmm. need to think of it as a business that you can scale right. and grow because right now you may say, I'm a web designer, man. I'm having a great time doing web design. This is fun. This is really fun. I'm working with different clients. I'm doing all co- Where are you going to be in five years? Still doing that work? Do you think that that's where you want to be in five years? Cool. Keep doing it. Where do you want to be in 10 years? Do you want to start a family? Do you want to retire? Mm-hmm. Do you want to save some money? Or do you just like this life of just taking project after project and kind of floating around? Maybe you do. Keep doing it. I remember when Dan Cedarholm and I started Corked. Um, and then after, I don't know, not even a year of doing it, we had this is Corked was a social network for wine enthusiasts, wine aficionados, if you will. Back before Facebook was a thing, really, before Twitter even existed, when social networks, if they existed, were standalone things. And we built one for people who were interested My in space. Yeah. We <laughs> built one for, for people who were interested in wine, but weren't wine snobs. We just wanted we just wanted to make wine, you know. Accessible, accessible to people. Yeah. So you could like do wine reviews and ratings and you could upload your little cellar and what you had and share it with friends. So and cute. It was a great, great thing. And uh, we started getting calls and interest from people, big companies who were like, we want to acquire you guys. And as part of that deal, and th- there were big, big money. We were talking about big money. As part of that deal, they wanted us to like join the team and head it up there or become part of, you know, work, work with right. them. They were buying that and you. Right. And Dan Dan Cedarholm did the amazing design and I did the passable code. And they were going to bring us in. And this was multiple offers like this. And Dan did not want to do that. He had other plans. And his plans were to keep doing design on his own independently. He built a business and he didn't want to give that up. I don't blame him. Uh, I was ready to be like, yeah, acquire the company and I'll go work at, I should probably should, shouldn't even still say the companies. At company X. Condonast, CNET, there's two of them. I was thrilled to go there. I would go there and work there. That would be fun. Dan didn't want to. So we had to both agree, obviously, because we had shared this. But I, I was ready to jump on board and do that. And he said, yeah, you know, that's, not, and I, I remember saying to him one time in a conversation, like, like five years from now, you still want to be like doing design work for other people. Cause in my mind, I'm like, I want to go and like be in a startup and like see what happens. And if it crashes and burns fine, but if it doesn't fine, like let's do this. And he's like, no, that's really not what I want. He knew what he wanted. And he, he said, yeah, in five years, actually I do want to be doing design work for other people. Flash forward five years and he was doing design work for other people. He was also starting dribble which turned out to be a much more successful thing than, than Cork ever could have been. I don't know if he had imagined Dribble that far in, in the past, but... Dribble's huge now. The path that he took was a better path, I think, for him, mm-hmm. of not, not joining one of those companies uh, and, and eventually discover, you know, creating Dribble. That was a better path for him. Yeah. I don't know that he, I don't believe that he knew, oh, because in five or six years, I'll be making dribble. No, but his, but he knew he didn't want to be part of that. Right. He knew he didn't want to be part of that thing. And 
No, so knowing as a freelancer where you want to be and what you want to do, treating it like a business or not. You know, my philosophy has always been to treat everything that I do that's not purely a hobby is to treat it like a business. And how do you make that differentiation? How do you make that? How do you distinguish that? Is money involved? Not you buying some toy. But like, are you doing a service or making a product that somebody else is paying for? The minute that that happens, I believe you should begin to treat it like a business. If you're an artist and you're crafting little things and you say, you know what? I'm going to sell these on Etsy now. You have now transitioned from hobby to business. Right. Even if you even if you don't sell any, you still need to start thinking of it like a business. Treat it like one. Yeah. If you're crocheting stuff, you're like, I'm going to put, I'm going to start selling. I'm going to make a website and sell that. Oh, I had a neat idea for a t-shirt. It's just a hobby. No, it's not. Right. Go all the way with it. A company like Apple can call the Apple TV a hobby. But that they're just being coy yeah. when they say that. What they're saying is we don't know if this will work and we don't want a failure on our hands. Right. So we're just going to say that we'll we're say not it's a all hobby. the way in on it. Right. We're just, it's something we're toying with. Yeah. <laughs> and if it fails, it's just, see, you know, that's why we didn't. But the whole, you know, yeah. Exactly. They don't, want it, they don't want it to possibly look bad. They're trading area codes in the chat room well, so I that I, I know yes. which. <laughs> Five calls. We're getting closer. Getting closer. I wrote the, uh, or, or a big part of it. We have a call-in system that my friend Eric helped me write. And I, I wrote some of it and did the interface for it. And it works just like a regular call-in system at a radio cool. show. So my options right now, I can see the calls here. I can, uh, we can screen calls. So we could have someone sitting out there. I used and, to do that. Yeah, you did. And I hit, they hit the screen button. It transfers to their Skype line as they're sitting in the other room. And they say, oh, hi, what, what would you like to, uh, to, talk to, uh, to talk to Dan about? And they say, oh, I've got a problem with this. They type in that information. So then I would see it. And it would say, John from Phoenix just got fired. And then I can hit the answer call button. I can drop them. I can put them on hold. I could even put in there. Built this system ourselves. Works great. Something like. I should see. And angry. people say to me, I want this. I want to use this for my show. How much do you pay a month? I said, well, it's actually really cheap. You're going to pay for a Skype call because that's how we dial it into our system. And then you've got to, uh, you've got to pay for this account that does the voice over IP stuff. It's very affordable. Yep. And this is the kind of thing that you could host on uh, a little VPS somewhere. You could host on Heroku. And not, and, and it, I mean, when I say affordable, I'm talking about it, tens of dollars a month. Not hundreds, but tens. Very affordable. And I want to release this, or open source it, or, uh, or charge it. You know what? Charge for it. Yeah. Why don't I do that Buy as a business? Buy a little license of it. Why don't I do that as a business? I'll tell you. Because... There are so many tiny little moving parts and details to this. If I were to put this out there and license this system, first of all, the people who would want to license it get the code for it or something. It's not rocket science to do this. But at the same time now, I would need to support that. I would need to have a, an entire support system in place for that. I would need to help them run it. If it had a problem, I would need to fix a bug in it. All for very little money. Well, why not have a hosted system? That way there's one thing. And it, well, because it's outside the wheelhouse of what we do. Yeah. 
what we do is we talk about careers and business and technology and Apple stuff and fun stuff. We talk about that and we produce those shows and we have the infrastructure to do that. And this is just a piece of that infrastructure. It's not as uh, as Steve Jobs would say, it's a feature, not a product. Mm-hmm. The product is the, the shows that we make. And this is a tool. Tool that we use. And when you sit there and you think about the stuff that you do and what's a good business idea, you've got to make those same kinds of decisions. The amount of time I would spend building, maintaining, promoting this, so- this software. Fixing bugs in it, changing it what would not, people It would are not reporting. be worth it. Right. I, I bet you I could get thousands of people using this. It would still not be the best use of our time as a business. Right. Making these shows is much, That's what much we do better here. idea. That's what we do here. So speaking of making shows, I'm going to do calls after this. Speaking of making shows, we make shows uh, for you guys to listen to. And apparently we're punished if I have a guest on this show. <laughs> punished. I know. Numbers are back up already because I haven't had a guest in the second episode. I haven't had yep. a guest. It doesn't matter who the guest is. They just don't like other people. They just don't like other they people. They just like you. <laughs> well, he has guests now. I'm unsubscribing. That's what they say. The ratings don't change. iTunes still rates the show well. But box office poison having anybody else on this show besides Hattie. People like when Schloke was here, but he doesn't show up anymore. He doesn't come around anymore. Yeah. His hair is... His hair got bad. Yeah. And so, uh, no Schloke doesn't come around anymore. We miss him. Love him for coming. It's not personal because I see him sometimes. I hang out with him. It's personal his from hair, a hair His standpoint. hair changed. Yeah. He came in here once. His hair always looked good, I thought. And he would come in here and he'd, ha- he'd sit down. He had to have the good headphones. He couldn't have the regular headphones. He had to have the drama good queen. And one time he came in and his hair looked really different. It was like really weird. It like he walked like, in and you and I looked at each other like, what's yeah, wrong what happened? with the Schloke's hair? Well, it turns out when he drinks too much, it the goes night before. the night before, yeah. it winds up somehow his hair changes texture. His and, hair and, is hungover. Yeah. And the last time we saw him, he had that hair again. Yeah. But he didn't seem drunk or hungover. Or, right. I think maybe it's just a permanent state. That so it's maybe in that's now. why he doesn't want to come in because of the hair. He knows we'll, he'll, we'll notice it. But I liked having him because he had great business advice, especially for the callers. But what are you going to do? But there's uh, before I do our sponsor, I want to tell you there's a way you can help support this show if you really wanted to stick around for any of these shows. All uh, the shows. All the great shows. We need your support. Go to patreon.com slash 5 by 5 And uh, Hattie, I'd like you actually, you can put them in as a sponsor for this episode. What do you think? Put think the link in the, in the little sponsor block. We're working on a lot of cool things and, and you guys can help do it. You go to patreon.com slash five by five and I would like it. Think about it like this, Hattie. Let me throw it at you like this. I'm listening. I'm listening. If we had $2 for every listener a month, $2 per listener per month, I'll tell you what, we would be able to do every single show that we want to do, all the cool experimental shows that we wouldn't, and you wouldn't need to stress out every day and pull out your very wispy, thin Blonde hair. It is wispy. It's like spider webs. You wouldn't need to pull that remaining hair out. <laughs> trying to sell sponsorships for all these experimental shows or, or shows that, you know, we can only do shows that make sense. When shows leave this network, a lot of the time it's because I've said they're not financially viable. So they're not working for one reason or another. 
These shows need to, they need to be financial. We're a business. Now you guys can change all that if you want. Go to patreon.com slash five by five. Give us two bucks, two bucks per listener. Do you love Dan enough for they two don't. bucks? No, they don't. Don't phrase it that way because we won't get any donations. <laughs> Do you love Hattie enough <laughs> no, for her to keep her job? No, definitely won't get any do- donations for that. Because, but seriously, two bucks a month from every listener, that would completely change our entire game. But in the meantime, we do have sponsors, and I, I, I'm not saying I would get rid of our sponsors. No, we love our sponsors. I would like to do more with fewer sponsors and make all the sponsors as good as the one that I'm about to tell you. Because right there in, in the adjacent room to this one, we have a very, very dangerous object. Yes. The object that I'm speaking of is a Casper mattress. <laughs> I don't know who made, who made the mistake here, whether it was Casper to send us a mattress or us to accept, to accept delivery of here. it. Yeah. Because now in, in one of the rooms of our office, we have a bed. It's not, I mean, I guess a bed implies... Like you a know, bed frame? A bed frame. We have a with mattress. Like, we just have a mattress on the floor of our office. And it is incredibly comfortable. It is. And you come back from lunch and, and you're, you're like, tired. Maybe you only got six, five, six hours of sleep the night before because your kid was throwing up. I'm just making right, up a scenario. Making up a scenario. Not right. something that happened to me. Uh-huh. And the night before, your kid is throwing up and then your other younger kid now has, is seeming to start getting sick. And you're up in the middle of the night throughout the night as people are vomiting. And you still have to wake up and, you know, the other kid still has to go to school or something. And you're up and you make it to work. And you're just tired. And then you go to lunch. And after lunch, it feels like it's 2 a.m. all of a sudden, even though it's, you know, 3 in the afternoon. And maybe it's kind of rainy and dark outside. And you look over there and you see that mattress sitting there on the ground. And you're like, you know, if I just close these blinds in this room. Cool. It's gonna be dark. I could just like, lay on just that mattress. A few minutes. And I'll tell you what: if this mattress was not comfortable, I would not have slept like that. Because this is an amazing mattress, Hattie. About a month before we got Casper as a sponsor. Yep. Hattie bought a new mattress. How much did you pay? You got a uh, what was it? A queen? It was a queen, queen size mattress. You say it's very top. comfortable. It is. It. I. I love it, but. How much did you pay? Way too much. Um, I think I paid like twelve hundred or right. something. So eight hundred and fifty bucks will get you a queen sized Casper mattress. Let me tell you what these guys do. They're an online retailer of premium mattresses, but they sell them at a fraction of the price. They get rid of the middleman. There's no showroom. There's no reseller who are going to just add money on, and 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 basically for the fact that they deliver it to you from their showroom. They're going to charge 500 bucks for that. Right. No, thank you. They and you pat- have to wait until they can deliver it on oh, yeah. their schedule. We'll be out next Saturday. We got a guy in a truck. You should trust him in your house. <laughs> Casper's mattresses, they're hybrid mattresses. They combine premium latex foam with memory foam. And they ship to you in a small box. And you open it up and you, you basically so remove this little wrap. And the mattress sort of breathes, it unfurls and opens itself up. And it's amazing. And these things are incredibly comfortable. 500 bucks for a twin. 750 for a full. 850 for a queen. 950 for a king size mattress. And I'm very particular about the kind of mattress that I sleep on. 
these things are incredibly comfortable. They are not that weird sort of memory foam, which I do not like. They feel just like the most comfortable mattress you've ever tried. And so here's the weird thing. I got a mattress in the mail delivered to me out of a box. What if I don't like it? You have 100 days free delivery, painless returns. If you do not like this mattress, you have 100 days to send it back to them. And they're doing a special deal. Oh, and these are made in America. Did you know that? I like that. Special deal for Grit listeners on our very final episode of Grit. You will get, I'm just kidding. I might do another one if there's calls. $50 (laughs) toward any mattress that you buy. If you go to casper.com slash grit. Yep. $50. The code you will use is grit. Casper.com slash grit. $50 off of any mattress, even the little one. I laid down on one of those after I got mine and I was like, I've made a terrible error. Yeah, I remember that you this were very upset. This is not upset. good. I was like, oh no. Very upset. <sighs> yeah, that Casper is... So don't be hatty, everybody. Don't yeah, be hatty. Yeah, don't be me. And go and check out casper.com slash grid. Do yourself a favor. Try one of these things out. It's no risk. Thanks very much, Casper, for supporting 5 by 5 and grid. Beautiful. I guess we should do some calls. I don't know. Why not? I think so. T- take the person that's been on the longest. Oh, is that? Am I, I think supposed I know to do who that? it is. Yeah, I know who it is. That's why I don't want to take it. <laughs> They've all been on for an hour. Oh. I'm just going to sort of randomly pick one like this. Describe what I'm doing. You are moving your hand, your pointer finger around and your eyes are closed and you're just pointing on the click. Go ahead, caller. Caller, go ahead. You heard them, didn't you? I heard heard them shuffling around. Yeah. Hello. Hello? Hi. Yeah, it's you. Me? Yes, you. Yes, you. (laughs) You're on. He hung up. I got scared. He got spooked. Don't be scared. You do not have to be scared. You know what? That's it for today's show. That's it. What if he got so scared he dropped the phone and it hung up and Did he was he like, not, no. Do you think he wanted to not be on the show? Or do you think he... Was that Richard A. in the chat room? He's going, oh, no. Was that you, Richard A., or no? Know. That's all right. I now... I no, now, it wasn't him. I know that phone number. And if they yeah. call back, I'll take you. I'll take you next if you call back. I do see Richard's number in here because I remember his area code. So I'm going to take someone else. <laughs> Go ahead, caller. Hi, Dan. It's Virginia in Seattle. Hi, Virginia. Virginia! Virginia, it's been a long time since I you know. called the show. Hi, hi. We we kind of gave you your start here. You kind of, everything, your whole career began on this show. Mm-hmm. You called in for, you were <laughs> working. Kinda, at, I mean. So what, tell me about what you're doing these days. Who are you? And how did you get here? And, uh, and all that. And what am I doing with my life? Yeah, yeah. what are you doing with your life? Well, um. So, as you knew, I had been doing this online dating coaching thing as kind of a hobby, not a business, total hobby, didn't know what I was doing for the longest time, and I kept working in jobs that I hated, and at one of those jobs, I was squatting in a conference room, called into the second ever episode of the show, while it was totally supposed to be working, and Hmm. I talked to to you and you kind of talked me into quitting. I was still kind of chicken about it. So instead of quitting, I just like wrote out the end of my tech industry contract because those always end eventually anyway. 
And Dan, I just did the exact same thing like two years later, almost exactly two years later. I, I had been working on my coaching business for the past two years now, but it's really seasonal for me. I make a lot of money in January and February because people think that they need to find love more urgently when there's New Year's resolutions and Valentine's Day out there. Um, and then I don't make as much in the summer when everyone's out having fun and, you know, living lives. Um, so I took a part-time job at another corporate stoogedom, and I hate it, and my contract is ending again. So I, in some ways, Dan, I've learned nothing from your wisdom. And in some ways, <laughs> I've learned that I'm allergic to jobs. You're making me unemployable, too. So at least I know that with more confidence now. Right, right. Well, welcome to the ranks of the unemployable. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I think that... Uh, you know, yours is an interesting story. You, you know, you were one of the very first callers and you were at a corporate stooge job and you were toiling away and you were unhappy. And uh, so the business that you started, for those who don't remember, I believe the first the first business was that you were going to be doing consult. You were like consulting with people who wanted to find a a soulmate, right? because I think it's misleading, but that's the idea. Like, find a life partner. Find someone that you really want to get serious and settle down with if that's your thing. What is it, what do, is it about soulmate that you do not care for? I think it gives people... I think it buys into a lot of, like, these kind of ridiculous Hollywood-sized ideas about romance where it's like there's one perfect person and they're perfect in every way and you never fight and there's never any problem or complication and just everything just fits like magic with no work. And I think that's kind of an unrealistic view of a successful romantic relationship. So I think soulmate, like, I don't like using that terminology. It also sounds kind of woo-woo, and I think I'm a little bit more practical than some of my woo-woo competition. So I don't like to use the words that they use because I try to sort of set myself apart from all that. You know, okay. I'm a okay. little more geek than woo-woo. <laughs> so one of the ways that you differentiated yourself from the other people in your business was no woo-woo and no, woo-woo. no soulmates. And uh, just <laughs> finding a great life partner. And you did this and people would, how would this work? They would call you. Were you like a Jewish mom, like a matchmaker, like my mom? Or what, I mean, what were you, <laughs> what were you doing? No, in a weird way, I think I'm kind of taking over your mom's job uh-huh. because we don't rely on, on like Yenta's parents, clergy. You know, there isn't this sort of social construct that forces us into maybe a misguided marriage earlier than we're ready for it. And that's great and all. We're freer from that. But we kind of don't have the same tools and society like working towards pairing us up the way we used to. So I think I kind of, I help people DIY that, right? Like I help people who are frustrated with online dating because they send like a 30 messages to 30 different girls and they get zero replies mm. or like women get, you know, 30 messages that are all like sup. And they're like, how am I ever supposed to find someone to actually go on a date if this is the experience? So I kind of help them optimize that whole process. And, you know, I think a big part of it too is I've come to, I thought that what I was really doing was being a really good writer and helping people understand how to work the system better. But a huge part of it winds up being this emotional cheerleading too, almost like a therapist or a life coach, which I have no training in, but people sure seem to like to talk to me about their love problems. So let me ask you a question. Included, by the way. You should do like a love line type call-in show is what I think you should do. But uh, I want to. So, I really want to. Well, we'll talk about it. So you basically went out there and you started doing this and you started promoting your business what made you make a decision to take a part-time job? Was it that you weren't getting enough business? You weren't, uh, you weren't able to line up enough clients or were you bored with it or what? Well, it's complicated. Um, 
you are dead on in that I need to find more ways to monetize my business because I think I've mentioned this on the show before. When I am at full capacity, like when I'm booked with as many clients as I could, you know, logistically handle in a 40-hour week with just a little bit of room for administrative whatever, I'm exhausted emotionally. I can't keep up with that. I'm I'm pretty introverted um, despite appearances, if you will. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm one of those ambiverts, those flextroverts who's right in the middle and I get maxed out when I'm working with enough clients to make the money that I need charging roughly hourly. So I have learned that I need to monetize differently. And I partly took this part-time job because a a role popped up on a team that a friend was working on. It was kind of a perfect fit. And I knew that it wouldn't last forever so that if I inevitably hated it, as has come to pass, I could be out without making anybody disappointed or look bad. So it's actually kind of perfect for everyone that this contract is just coming to a natural close in January because that's my busy season and I'm kind of done, you know, there. It's the stoogiest. Let me just, it's the stoogiest of all the major Seattle tech companies, if that can paint a picture. And I am in, I'm in a department that is a four word acronym, acronym for like, big data migrations. Oh, it's nice. like the most boring <laughs> level of fugitive for someone like me. Well, I mean, it, yeah. it's, so, you I know, mean, I will just say that your, your experience, I think is something that I hear about a lot whenever uh, I've known so many people, and, and I think we've talked about on this show, where they'll be like, especially it seems to happen with designers, how you know they'll announce that they're leaving their job to go and do freelance. And all the other designers and everyone who wants to hire them sort of cheers them on and says, this is great. And they're like, yeah, gosh, I've learned so much, and I, I really know I want to do freelance. And then inevitably, you know, six months to a year later, maybe a little longer, they announce that they've taken a job, and it's usually a job uh, like the uh, the freelancer at the beginning of the show said in, in the chat room, oh, you know what? They were my biggest client and they made Very me an offer. And, and so might yeah, as well. Might just, as well just do yeah. it. And then another year or two later, they say, oh, yeah, that didn't work. So I'm going to be going back out on, on my own again. But this time I'm doing it with a buddy of mine. And then, you know, six months later, oh, that didn't work. This is just the way that it is, I think, for a lot of people. You, you want to try different things. You know, you want to try and, and you want to see what works. And it sounds to me like that's just what you're doing. You're experimenting. You're trying to see what works. And, uh, and I, I don't think that's a bad thing. And I don't really don't think you should beat yourself up for it. And I guess it's good in a way that you're, that you're getting out, uh, that it's ending uh, naturally. Yeah, but you know, you bring up a really interesting point, which harkens back to a few episodes ago when you were talking about like, you were kind of making fun of Jason Snell and you were like, can you do too many things? Are you defined by like too many eclectic interests? I, I can't only do this forever. I recognize that there will probably come a point where I'm old enough and consumed by like parenting and juggling different things that like my interest shift and I don't necessarily see being like an online dating expert into, you know, my sixties, right? Like probably I'm going to pivot at some point into some other, some other area. And I've always had an eclectic range of interests. I always do different projects and I'm kind of realizing like, I, I need to be okay with that. Like, I think I, I listened to an old pipeline episode with you and Gary Vaynerchuk and it was inspiring and kind of depressing. It's what made me ask the question that I asked in the chat room. 
I don't think I have the kind of entrepreneurial focus and grit that someone like Gary has or even someone like you has. And a part of me has been feeling bad for that because I know that my business would be more successful on its own and I wouldn't feel this pressure to get a part-time job if it were. But I've also come to realize that, like, there's no – to a point you can change your nature, but to a point you can't. And I think I'm done trying to change – that about myself. But at the same time, I'm also done kind of working for other people forever. I think I will probably only work part-time or contract jobs for a good next decade or so, um, partly just because of life logistics and partly because I've learned that that's like what I can stand without becoming really jaded and needing to call in to quit every week. You know, I think that's interesting. No, I, I, no, I totally get it. Um, it's one of those things that, you know, you find yourself in a situation, you find yourself uh, kind of seeking change. And it's, you know, there are plenty of people out there, Virginia, who, uh, who find something that they like to do and are content to do that for the rest of their career and maybe the rest of their life. And I'll give you an example, uh, a stereotypical example, and I'm not sure if this is completely true or not. Um, but for example, think of doctors, um, dentists included, you know, people in healthcare frequently, you will find someone who becomes a doctor and then they run a practice or they have a, they're, you know, have a practice where they're a partner in it or something. And they will do that until they retire. They'll do that for their whole career. Another example that jumps to my mind is somebody who's a writer. People who truly love writing, frequently they'll be a writer their whole career. They may shift from writing in journalism to doing a novel to doing, you know, who knows. But typically people like that, they they will find something that they like and then kind of change the context around it. And I think writing is a really good example of that because you can have people who are, you know what, I was a technical writer and then I, uh, then I switched to journalistic writing and then I became a, an editor at a book publishing company and then I went back to the newspaper business and since that sucked, I went and wrote, you know, I did it, worked on a blog where I got paid and then now I'm writing a book. And, you know, I think that's, there's a glue, the glue that would hold that together for them would be the actual fact that they're writing and they like it and they're, they're good at it. And, that comes back down to having a passion, even if it's a cool, calm kind of passion, you're still passionate about the thing that you're doing. You like doing that thing enough to want to do it every day. And I think, I think everybody will find that thing that they love to do every single day. Uh, but there are always other details that get in the way, you know. You might be uh, somebody who really enjoys, you know, electrical engineering, but you hate working on antennas. You might think that you're going to be, you're a crappy electrical engineer because you spent the last five years doing antennas. Well, my cousin does antennas. He's an electrical engineer. That's why I bring that up. He's not sick of it. <laughs> He's not sick of it. But if he became sick of it, he might think to himself, man, I really hate electrical engineering. This sucks. I'm going to go back to school and do something different. But that might not be true. It might just be he doesn't like antenna design or he doesn't like the company or companies that he's worked for. Is there, you know, I, so I will leave you, Virginia, I will leave you with this question. And the question is, is it that you're really unemployable? Is it that, uh, or is it that you just hate working in the corporate stooge world? Uh, or is it that you just haven't found or figured out that thing that you really want to do every day and that you can change the context around it, but... Maybe there's just that thing you haven't figured out yet. I'll leave you with that. And then I hope that you, I wish you luck. And I hope that you call back uh, soon and tell me what's going on with you. I will. I will. 
assuming that you keep the show going. Yeah. I'd be happy. This might be your last shot. All right, and Virginia. Thank you for the call. Ponderings on that question. I think you really hit the nail on the head. Bye, uh, Dan. Bye. Yeah, bye-bye. Thank bye. you. Bye. Okay, there she goes. You know, Hattie, you were out uh, doing design. I was, yeah. You still do design here. Yep. In fact, the other day I said, go, oh, can you help with this thing? And you it got- took over my day. You jumped into it. Because <laughs> it's something that you like. You know, it's something that you you really enjoy. I like I like doing it and I can't help but do it. I like uh, projects like that and figuring out what the best way, problem solving in that sense, visually. You know, and I think there's, you know, now, but the other question is, is that something you think that you could do, uh, you know, five plus days a week for the rest of your life? I mean, that's tough. There are very few people who find something that they like enough to say, you know what? I think I want to do this every day for the rest of my whole entire life. There are people who do find things like that. Right. But there's often a lot of work involved in making that happen. You don't just get to do the part of the job that you like. You don't just get to do the fun part. You've got to do all the crappy parts too. Yep. Especially if you're freelance, especially if it's your own business. There's a lot of additional work involved in, in getting to that few hours a day where you get to just do the thing that you like. And that could be, I mean, that could be kind of frustrating because the stuff that you don't often like to do, you often really don't like to do it. And it weighs on you. Yeah. And you remember, you know, oh, do you have a good day or bad day? Uh, bad day. Why? I do do this one thing. But think about how much time you got to do the thing that you did like. Do you remember that talk we saw at South by Southwest a couple years ago? Swiss Miss was giving the talk. Yeah. And she was talking about finding a team and hiring other people. Yeah. And the way that she kind of determined the jobs that she needed to fill is that she made a, a list, right, of mm-hmm. all the things that she was doing in a given day. And she wrote a little happy face or kind of neutral face, face right. or a sad face next to that list of things. It was like a task. So it's like, you know, if we were doing it for this, like doing a show. That's a smiley face, you know? Like being in here recording in here a show. Recording. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Smiley face. Uh, p- putting in show notes um, or something like that. Maybe sad face. I'm just yeah. making all that. For me, that would definitely be a That's sad face. Sad face for you. Yeah. So, you know, and so she went through her day and did a, Wrote a everything each down. task that she did. Even even little ones, you know, like, oh, ran out to get water bottles because the office was out. Okay, sad face. You know, because then that takes me away from doing what I actually want to do. Things like that. And so she came up with a list of all the things that she physically needed help with. And I think that's a great, great way to do that. Right. Because for you, the the unhappy face is going to be somebody else's happy face. Exactly. We have a bookkeeper who comes in here (laughs) and does all that crap. Never in a million years would I want to do that. And But she loves it. So for me, that's like 10 unhappy faces. For her, that's a super big happy face. (laughs) And thank God. There's always going to be somebody out there that likes what you don't like. And that's that's why we all like different things. You know? Yeah. The best. When you find that person who likes to do the thing that you don't like to do. It's awesome. Go ahead, caller. Hello? Yeah, it's you. 
Oh, it's me. Hi. Hey. Uh, my name is Christopher. Hello, Hattie. Hi. Hello, How are you? Um, very good. Uh, first time caller, uh, on again, off again listener. Okay. Uh, are you fact, are you one of the people who who drops off after we get a, have a guest on the show and then you unsubscribe? Is that you? I didn't know you had guests. See? Um, <laughs> well, I won't ever again. I, I won't ever again. No, uh, well, I tuned in roughly about a year ago, and as odd luck fate would have it, um, Virginia was on that episode, uh, and we became internet friends from just the the group of people meeting who are all fed up and were listening to Quit Now Grit. Nice. Then. And that, and we had some really cool conversations. Fortunately, I already uh, have someone in my life and has since gotten married. But having talked with Virginia, I learned a lot about relationship stuff through that. And we talked, uh, and I think that's where this show really kind of, I think, can help people as far as like a, you know, you're finding the disgruntled and Dan, you really are kind of been like the, um, you know, the voice in the hill when it comes to, you know, getting people to move on that. So. I would encourage you to continue this for the sake of that, but today you do sound a little bit grumpy. Well, I mean, I'm just, I'm fine if we get the calls, but that's it. From now on, this is a call-in only show. That's it from now on. Never having another, it's it's poison. (laughs) Doesn't matter who the guest is. Well, I think it's, I think it's apples and oranges based on the audience. I think, uh, uh, for a lot of people who might, um, are in this position, uh, it might be a little bit of a happy dopamine rush of I'm disgruntled, I'm unhappy, and then you'll come in and say, this is what I did, and pick up the bootstraps, and those those of uh, the folks listening might still be in their cubicles, and they'll feel good for that 90 minutes of listening, you know, um, and they come back. But when you have other folks besides yourself on the show who have done it, who are doing it, you know, that might, you know, the folks might not feel the sense of community that, you know, again, what I, by sure happenstance, can know connected with Virginia uh, and we're able to talk uh, with someone like that. And that sense of community might be the thing on the show. So you might be hitting the nail on the head in the sense that it's call in and getting people um, connecting and communicating. Yeah, I love that. And and you're right. You're, you know, you've, you've definitely hit on something. And that is that the listeners of this show, the ones who I guess don't leave when they're, say, a guest, are some of the best listeners in the world and they have, you know, they have like met each other and talked to each other and that kind of thing. And I think when, when this show is viewed as something that's helping people figure things out and move forward, that it, uh, it, it, that's where it's, it's greatest benefit uh, lies as opposed to me talking to, to somebody. So I appreciate the call. Did you have a question or did you just want to share? I, I wanted to share that and, um, and to add on the idea of what you and Hattie were speaking about of the, um, the things that we do, and if it's the thing, I think if we just look at the tasks like you described with listness, sure, there's going to be tasks that we like and don't do. But if you have a, a more of a calling, I know it sounds kind of goofy to put it that way, but I know from talking with Virginia, she has kind of a calling that comes out from, you know, what she does with helping people with online dating. She is so passionate about it, and it comes across so much when you get to talk to her about it that she wants to help people connect and she has a skill and experience to make that happen. You know? So I think if you can really, a lot of folks, we get distracted. We, you know, we think it's just the tasks, but 
there's usually, I know for myself over the past year was determining what my calling is. And it's not like, you know, you know, delivering, you know, sandwiches to people. But when I was able to do that, it helps inform when I am doing a task that I don't like doing, then it helps me move forward with, all right, I need to plow through this because it's leading to a larger thing. Right. And if we do money just makes it too hollow for a lot of folks. I mean, as much as we say we need it, it, it's really not as fulfilling as having something deeper in it than just one task or another. Yeah. I just wanted to share that. Well, I appreciate that. That's a great point. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you calling in, taking the time out to, uh, to call in and, and, you know, share your, uh, share your thoughts and make that point. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Thank Keep you. It. That's a good point. But I do like that there's sort of a community formed somehow around around grid. I like that too, because I think people all are kind of struggling with a lot of the same issues. You know, early in my career, I I went where the money was. You know, I I went where the money was. If there was a new consulting contract or a new gig or something like that, I would. I mean, that's where I was going. I wasn't trying to build anything, and I think. Today, I think fewer people are going to fall victim to that trap of saying, oh, you know, I, I like these people I work with, but like I could go and make an extra 10K a year if I went over here. It's very, very tricky to find a place where you really like where you are and what you're doing if you're not running that company and you don't get to pick those people. I mean, it's... you. You generally don't really get to pick your colleagues or your coworkers. We've had people many times call or write into the show and say something like, I have a new boss, or my boss has a new boss, or we have a new VP, and they've changed the way that we do things here for the worse, and I don't like it. And people are leaving because of it. That happens all the time. Or the person that you really liked uh, working with leaves the company to go do something else. These are really tough, tough things that you don't really have a choice in. The company just changes around you and you don't want to have to leave that company, but it's not the same situation that you've had before. It's changed. It's outside of your control. I mean, that's, that stinks. And there really isn't really much to do except deal with it. Go roll with it or quit or quit and leave. Hi, caller. Hey, guys. How are you? Hello. This is Mike Paul from the Twin Cities. Nice. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Last week, I uh, asked you guys about improving uh, once you've made success with whatever you're doing. And you're like, well, how can you not? And of course, we want to improve. But I guess my question would be more, once you get to a point where you have success and you're busy, how do you choose what you improve on? Do you focus on what you're weak at? Do you focus on what you're strong at? Do you branch out into whole new areas? That's a good question. So he, let me let me try and recap. What you're saying is um, you're, you're, you're at a company and you're trying to improve and you have maybe some time off to do it, or you've got some spare time to invest in, in yourself. And you're wondering where you should put that energy. Should you try and ma- 
build additional mastery in a skill that you already possess? Or should you try to learn something additional outside of that to make you a more well-rounded, skill-wise, a more well-rounded person or employee? Is that, am I understanding the question right? Yeah, well, no, you know, I quit my job four years ago and started a business and, uh, you know, started out slow, but we've picked up a lot and now we're having a lot of success. And I'm just trying to figure out when I do have that extra hour each week, you know, where I say I want to sit down and focus on self-improvement and improvement of the business. Do you focus on what you're really good at, trying to become the best at that particular thing? Or do you focus on going, gosh, I'm not really good at this area of the business. I should improve there. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that's a really, 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 really good question. Um, There's definitely that comfort zone that you can get into as far as doing a particular skill, you know, a particular task or skill or having something that you like to focus on and saying, I just want to get, I want to get better at that. But then you look at other areas of your business or other areas of your skill set if you're doing this within the context of a job and you say, man, I don't know anything you know, I'm a Ruby developer, right? I don't know anything about HTML and CSS, but it sure would help me to learn that. Or I'm an iOS developer, uh, but I don't, you know, I don't know how to do proposal writing. And that's something we could, I could really get better at. Should I take a course on that or get a book on it or something? Um, you know, I, here's the advice that I can give you. And I'm going to unfortunately have to drop you because that background is pretty bad. But I'll answer your question. I think that there's definitely an advantage if you are in a small company or working for yourself in your own company to be more of a generalist than a specialist. It's better to know a good bit about a whole lot of things than everything about one thing. If you're doing your own, if you're running your own business or if you're working in a small company, that's a surefire way to have more success that doesn't mean don't specialize or don't have something you know a, a ton about. But knowing, uh, and I, I, am, I am an example of in many ways with a, a one or two small exceptions, I'm an example of somebody who knew a lot about a bunch of different things, uh, but not everything about one thing. When I, you know, when I was first starting out, I knew about computers and I was a good writer Uh, so that gave me exposure to a lot of different jobs. Well, you know, nowadays, if you know about code and you know about design and you can write and maybe, you know, audio engineering, you know, or, you know, some graphic design stuff, or you have experience in HR or sales, like the more different disciplines that you have, the more valuable you'll be to a small company, the less valuable you'll be to a big company. Because a big company has enough money to hire people who are specialists in each of those different areas. A big company says, we need somebody who is a system administrator who knows this flavor of Unix, this flavor of Linux, and can can help support these particular clients. That's who they're going to hire. They're hiring that person, and she is going to do that job from that cube this many hours a week. And if she also happens to be a great writer... And she also happens to be a great designer. We almost don't want to know about those things because this is what we're going to pay her for to come in and do eight hours a day. Whereas in a small company, she could walk in there and say, yeah, I do all the system administration stuff and I can write and I can do some code. And you know what? I can, I can rack mount those servers too. They're a much more valuable employee in a small company. 
for me, my skill set, my whole career, I was geared towards small, medium-sized companies or running my own business because I enjoyed lots of different things. And earlier in my career, not so much now, but earlier in my career, I would get bored doing the same thing for too long. If I had a developer job, and I had many, and I was supposed to be writing code eight hours a day, five to, to seven days a week, I would burn out on that fast, very fast. I didn't like doing the same thing for too long. When I found, oh, wow, small companies are going to give me lots of things to do. I can run some servers and do some IT stuff and write some code. And then every couple of weeks I get to go and, you know, build a seminar and teach in front of a class. Wow, that was really cool. Like I could get paid to do all of the, and design websites and make hit counters. That was really cool. I was very valuable to small companies. But the small companies didn't pay as well, didn't have as good benefits, generally had crappy offices. So it was a trade-off. I either got to do the stuff that I liked or I got to kind of cruise and be stuck doing one thing. We got two more calls, Hattie. Two more? I think I know oh, who hi, this Jim. is. Hey, how are you? Yeah, Richard. Richard A. Hi, how are you doing, Dan? I'm doing good. What's up with you? How are you? I'm all right. I want to call in. You talked. You, I, I tweeted at you last week, but I couldn't call in. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to uh, follow up with that. And you know, hey, it's, it's 140 characters. I ended up tweeting at you twice. So yeah. You, there's no way you could have any idea what I was planning here. No. So, um, yeah. And hey, I'm off from work today. So nice. Um, yeah. I'm sort of starting up a email newsletter consultancy. You, you saw the uh, the post on the the five by five Facebook community too. So yeah, and yeah, and the, you know I've been doing email newsletters professionally as a corporate stooge first with the, the startup and now it's the company I'm with now, and it's been you know basically two years of this. Uh, I think it's something I'm good at. Something I think I can make a go with. But I'm not just talking about designing, but like content strategy for email newsletters. Right. And, you know. You know what to do, how to get these people last sensible clients, you know, what their goals are and how to use email to achieve that. And it's, it's an odd sell. And I don't have anything I can really show for it yet because I have been working corporate suit gigs. Yeah. I don't think the, uh, the company I worked for originally, uh, the one who, uh, can for the tweets, uh, was going to let me use any of the stuff I worked for them with. They're very paranoid about, uh, their intellectual property as it were. Right. And the company I'm working with now, it's, you know, much the same. They're, you know, big medical publishing company, but uh, I don't get the, so what do I, I need to sort of like figure out what, what to show people say, this is what I do, this is what I can do. And I'm hoping, you know, I don't want to work for free. I've got one client, she's a friend of mine who's also a musician. So I've, uh, she's paid, I sent her, her my first invoice and she paid it. So nice. But uh, yeah, so hopefully, I'm going to hopefully be able to have something, that'll just be one thing to show, but how do I sort of rent this out? How do I, either build out this portfolio of what I can do without paying clients yet or get potential clients to take a risk on me without being able to show them anything for it. They show them anything I've done in the past yet. Well, you know, I think this is a question that a lot of people uh, who are, who are just sort of get just getting started out is how do you get the word out about what you do? It's much harder because what you're doing isn't like, I built this, this, this uh, web app or I built this iOS app or here's my examples of my web design. Um, you can't really do that in the same way because you're doing these newsletters that are going out to other um, 
to other companies and people and you can't really share them. Well, here's, you know, here's, here's the way that you have to do that. Here's what you have to do. And this is true for any, anybody who's kind of in a situation like yours. Are, if, are you, well, let me ask you this first. Are you allowed to, uh, are you allowed to list the clients or the work that you've done? If, even if you can't show the material, are you allowed to do that? Oh yeah, it, well, it, like resume, yeah, they, they they can't say I didn't work for them, right? But I'm talking about doing doing this freelance stuff that you're doing, the building content for newsletters. Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm sure that the my, my one client will happily let me uh, say that I work with her. <laughs> so yeah, that that's at least something there. So here's what you do. And this is going to seem like a, a basic answer. You're talking, so your goal, let me make sure I understand your goal. Cause you, you change what you do every couple months. You, you want to do something different every few months. Um, if some, I resemble that remark. well, I mean, I did the same thing. It's not bad. I'm just <laughs> no, I, making an observation. <laughs> if, if you were, uh, so what, here's your ideal scenario, right? You're, you're working at home or home office, uh, people come to you and say, I want to do an amazing newsletter. And you say, that's great because that's what I do. And you help them. Maybe you do the content. Maybe you help them create the content. Maybe you help with the publishing part of it. People are now coming to you and you've got clients who are paying you, I'm thinking, to do a, an amazing newsletter for them. Is that, do I have it right? Yeah, pretty much. You know, help them with, uh, design would be part of it, but I, I don't want to focus on the design. So it's like content strategy, list building. How, and they're and know, they're going to pay you. They're going to pay you as a consultant to learn about their business, understand their their audience, and then go out there and do an amazing newsletter campaign for them, which you'll probably create and manage at the very least. Yeah, yeah. My goal is to hopefully uh, get them get them started, hold their hand for the first couple months of the campaign, and let them go and be an advisor after that. How have that you been? How have you been promoting this so far? Basically, I've just hit up every person I know personally who does uh, creative stuff. I have friends who are musicians. My one client, she's a musician. Uh, I've been hitting up uh, some folks I know who uh, uh, do uh, do podcasts and things. And you know, I've only had one taker so far, but I've, I'm, I'm hitting up my network basically. Well. That's always a great way to start. Um, But I mean, there are other things that you could be doing that would really help you. For example, um, two things jump to to my mind, three things in in particular. Okay, four. Um, One of them is make a simple, basic website. If you don't know how to do design, which I think you do, but if if I'm talking about this for all listeners, um, the... uh, the thing that you can do is you can make a website. I mean, obviously Squarespace is sponsored lots of stuff here, but I use them myself even when they weren't and aren't sponsoring what I'm doing. Uh, go there and, you know, using like the prom- one of these promo codes, like you can start with like eight bucks a month. You can spend, you know, a couple hours building a really good site that'll look good and talk about what you do there. And the number two thing is start your own newsletter about creating great content and strategy in newsletters, a newsletter about newsletter content, like do that and then start promoting that. Because here's the thing. 
if you're doing a really great newsletter for yourself and there's valuable information about doing awesome newsletters, people will sign up for that and they'll say, man, Richard does this really great newsletter about newsletters. He's the, he, here's proof because I signed up for his newsletter, didn't I? And if I signed up for his newsletter, then he could probably make people sign up for mine if he ran this thing. It's self-promotional, but it's, it's, you know, it's making the pudding that becomes the proof, right? So this is the yeah. kind of thing that you start doing this. So now you've got a website. It, it talks about what you do. It, you have pricing there. And then they can go and they can sign up for your newsletter and they can learn about it. On that site, you can say, here's other newsletters that I'm doing or other things that I'm doing. You list your clients as you start to build the clients. You might have to do some inexpensive work to get some clients there. I don't know if you can do that as easily in the newsletter business, but you could try and start building it out. And then you've got to go on and you've got to promote this on Twitter. And so in your bio, your bio on Twitter should have a link to the new website that you've done. And part of your bio should be, I make awesome newsletters for people. That should be in your bio. Yeah, right now, right now my, my Twitter bio is email is literally my job. Yeah, so I yeah, mean, I thought that was a that, that's, way to go about it. that's a good way to do it. And uh, you basically can can go and put that message out there in as many places as you want. I see more and more people are like doing stuff on LinkedIn. I don't use LinkedIn, but that does seem to be a good way to network for people. I can't speak to it. All I know is that they spam the heck out of me and I kind of stay away from it. But there are people who are doing great things on that. Write, uh, write an article about newsletter uh, content and good content strategy on newsletters and publish it on Medium and tweet about it and ask people for questions about it and offer to help people uh, on Twitter with it for free and say, um, you know, sign up for as many newsletters as you can and find the ones that aren't very good and write to those people and say, you know what? I read your newsletter because I'm a big fan of the stuff that you do. I had a tip for you. Don't solicit them. Don't say, I had a tip and for only $50, you two, no, just say, here's, here's something I thought of that would make your newsletter even better and send that to them. And you know what? If you, if you do that, that's how Jim Metzendorf got his job helping me. I talk about that on podcast method, episode number two. He, he sent me some advice that here's something you could do with your audio that would really help. And uh, guess what? He got a job out of it. So that's why I'm going to leave you with that because I got to wrap this up. But uh, Richard, Good luck to you, and I uh, can't can't Thank wait you. to hear and, uh, soon what what you come up with. Sure. Like uh, before before I go, you you were I was going to work with you on uh, a quit newsletter, but that sort of just fell fell by, fell by the wayside. If you ever want to start up a grit newsletter, let me know. I will let you know. All right. All thank right. you for thank you for taking the call. Let me know what happens to you. Let me know what your next I, adventure is. Hopefully this one will work because I like this idea. Yeah. Good luck, Richard. I like it too. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. He's always changing. You know, he's always doing different things. I think that's. I think that's nothing a good idea. There's nothing wrong with that. Do we have any calls left, Dan? It's our last call right here, Hattie. Last. How are you guys call. doing? Hey, who's this? Last call. This is a uh, transition on Twitter. Oh, oh, transition on Twitter. Hi, transition. How are you guys doing? We're doing good now that you're here. Well, thank you, thank you. Um, I was uh, talking, tweeting back forth to Virginia earlier, and so she suggested I call in. 
Um, it's interesting what you were talking about before as far as things, like things changing at your company and your boss changes and your boss's boss changes and now everything's going in a direction you don't like. And I kind of find myself in that position, um, which is suboptimal. So I'm looking at making some changes and just sort of trying to decide. Well, I think I've already decided that changes will be made. It's right. just a question of how to implement them. So, so what what are you thinking about? I'm looking at uh, what I've been wanting to do for a while is switch out of the financial field that I'm in now and move into software development. Okay. And so, so I've been teaching myself and uh, you know trying to enhance my skills, and I've, I've given a few presentations at a couple of regional conferences. And the idea of uh, attending a code school came up, um, but then looking at that as being expensive, a friend suggested, well, you've been teaching yourself. It sounds like you just don't have enough time mm. to focus because, you know, I'm, you know, you've got a full-time job and you're trying to, you know, do a little coding on the weekends or on, in the evenings. So she was like, what if, what if you just put aside enough money instead of going to a three-month college school, just put, enough, like, put aside like three to six months of living expenses and, you know, teach yourself um, and, you know, start applying for jobs that way. So I thought about that. Then I thought that maybe along with that or instead of that, I started looking at like entry-level developer positions, like, you know, junior web developers or junior developer positions, and thinking that if I could get into one of those, even if it's, say, like a a 50% pay cut, then that's, one, still more money than zero income, still more income than zero income, but then, two, it's got me on the path to, uh, to building this new career that I'm trying to going to well i mean you're definitely doing it uh you're definitely doing it the right way and obviously some of the things that you mentioned uh are you know they're 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 important um saving money and having you know having that backup having that thing to fall back on super critical being prepared to take a pay cut to essentially start over I think that's really reasonable also. I think that's something that is so tough because, you know, when you make a transition to, speaking of transition, when you make a transition to something new, you are starting over, you know, and if, if I'm, if I'm an employer and I'm looking at the job pool and I see people out there who, uh, you know, I have 10 applicants for a job, let's say, and those 10 applicants, let's say skill wise, they're all, Entry level, just starting out. They've got some basic skills and they're ready to go. And I look at them and I say, well, these people here, they all don't really have much work experience, nine out of 10 of them, you know, and I'm going to pay 30K for this job. That's how much I I can afford to pay. Nine out of 10 of those people have never earned 30K before. Nine out of 10 of those people are going to be thrilled to make 30K a year. Thrilled. And they know that they may have to be there for six months or a year before they make 35K. And that's perfectly okay with them. And because they're younger, let's let's go over some generalizations here. Because they're younger, they probably probably don't have families yet. They might or might not have significant others yet. Uh, But they don't have a lot of responsibilities. They're going to be very energetic, very youthfully energetic. They're going to be able to devote tons of time And in a way, I'm going to be able to sort of shape and mold them, hopefully, into the ideal employee. And I also can say to them, you know what? If they don't work out after a few months, listen, guys, you didn't work out. Sorry, we got to let you go. 
they're going to bounce back from that very, very quickly because they could just jump into the next thing, get another job, no big setback, no big deal. But a person like you, who's been in the workforce for a little bit, you've got different priorities. You've got different expectations. You may be willing to take that 50% pay cut, but not for long. You can't afford it, even if you have money saved. And when I say you can't afford it, I don't mean financially you can't afford it. I mean, you can't afford to have your- To make that change. Right, to make that change for a long enough time. How old are you? Um, mid-40s. Mid-40s. I had to remember. Yeah, I was going to say, you're either, gonna, you're either fudging your answer or you're, you know, you're in your 40s. Because once you, once you get over like 40, you've got to think about it. Because it doesn't really yeah. matter anymore. Well, if you're, if you're in your mid-40s, you know, you've got, you've got a whole, you're, you should be thinking about retirement. I'm not saying thinking you're going to retire soon. I'm saying you, you should be planning for that in a much more serious way than somebody who's in their mid-30s or mid-20s. Mid-20s, nobody's planning for anything. Mid-30s, you're like, yeah, I got to get around to doing that. Mid-40s, you're like, oh, crap. This is real now. So this is not the best time in the world for you to take a 50% pay cut for long. You can do it, but all of a sudden you're going to be like, yeah, you know what? I wanted to get into this new line of work and I took that 50% pay cut. And I've been doing this for a couple of years and you know what? The people who are getting raises and the people who are moving up, those are the people who, uh, who are working really hard. Well, I've been working really hard too. So you'll start to move up. But, and this is the interesting part, you'll need to move up with bigger jumps and you'll need to move up faster than those other people who have tw- who are 20 years younger than you. People who are 20 years younger than you are content to make 50% of what you were making because that's a raise to them. They won't have that pressure. So what that means is you've got to be twice as good as them. You've got to be able to show that that 20 years of experience that you have on them in other fields translates to this new job and this new business that you're in, this new line of work. You've got to be able to show employers that you're a huge asset to them because you have 20 additional or 15 years of additional experience and maturity and wisdom and a gut instinct that's fully developed. Because the reality of it is, if you you were applying for a job that I had, And let's say I have a big enough company that I can afford to experiment with the people that I hire in these different jobs. I could say, you know what? This guy is in his mid-40s. He knows as much as all these other entry-level candidates here, but he he wants a second shot. I think this guy's going to work twice as hard as these newbies who are going to flake out on me when they realize they don't like sitting in a cube all day. This guy, he knows what to expect. This guy is a guy I can rely on. And I'm getting him for cheap. I'm getting him for a steal because he's bringing 15 years of experience with him. He's bringing, he understands office politics. He's not going to get upset when we have to pull him into a meeting and he's going to have to change gears on what he's doing. He's like, oh yeah, that's fine. No big deal. And he can actually help mentor these newbies that are here while they teach him the skills that he doesn't know. But you've got to go into it with that approach. And you also have to go into it knowing that you can't rest on your laurels at all. You have to accelerate faster than these other people. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to retire in 20 years. You're just going to be screwed. 
Does that help you at all? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely a different way to think about it. I think part of the way I've been thinking about it is from the standpoint of, you know, 20 years in, but then I've got maybe another 20 years of, of career left you know, before retirement, do I want to spend the next 20 years doing something that I already know I don't like, or what do I want to spend the next 20 years doing something that I think I like better? Um, no, I think that's the, that, that, are, that's the right way to look at it. Yep. You should, everybody deserves to be happy. Everybody deserves to do something that they like. But when you're transitioning from one career path to a completely different career path, you're not going from being a Java developer to a Ruby developer or a Ruby developer to a PHP developer or a technical writer to a journalist writer. Those are small transitions. You're talking about a big transition. So it's going to be a big change. Yeah. I, I'll throw this out there and then I got to let you go because we've got to wrap this thing up. But, okay. but, and this is always my advice, this thing that you think you want to start doing, this new career path, and I'm leaving it open-ended because I think this applies to a lot of the listeners. This new thing that you're trying to do, do it on the side first. Get freelance gigs, get, uh, get consulting work, and try doing it first before you make that huge jump. Because you may find that you love it. But if you aren't enthusiastic and pumped up and ready to end your workday at your regular job and spend another four hours that night or eight hours each day on the weekend to go and do that thing. If you're not like, I don't care. I'm not tired. I'm not tired. I'm ready to go and work. Or you're like, your eyes are so, are so heavy and you're like, I just can't. I yeah. can't. But you're like, I can't stop doing what I'm doing. Because I, I love want it. To. I because love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. It's 2 a.m. But I'm, I'm going to still yeah, keep going. I'm still going. <laughs> if you don't feel that way about this new thing that you're doing freelance, that you're doing on top of your regular job, don't make that change. Try it first. And you can. You're talking about doing this, this kind of work. This is the kind of work you can do on the side. Do that first. And if you still love it on top of your old life, then that's a good clue that you could transition to it and have some success. I've got to let you go. Thanks very much for the call. Thanks, uh, in fact, to everybody uh, who called. And uh, you know what? I like these call-in shows. I like the call-in we'll shows. We'll see if, uh, if uh, we, we need to promote them more at the beginning of the week. And yeah. then maybe people will I hung up. Ideas. I hung up on two calls that were on hold. Because I got to go. Picture, anyway. picture if you had had eight. I know. Well, I think we did have eight. We had seven. Seven? It's pretty so good. So listen. You want the show to stick around? I need you to go rate it in iTunes. Please. Go to iTunes. You don't have to write a review, although those are wonderful. I appreciate when you do that. But go to iTunes and give it, give it you know, however many stars you think it deserves. I think it deserves five. I think so too. Go there and give it four or five stars, whatever you feel is fair. And if you want to write a review, that's good. And subscribe to it in iTunes if you haven't. All these things help it show up in the charts. They help new listeners find the show. Help replace those listeners who jumped off when, they said, when I had a guest. a guest. That would be wonderful. And if you really like the show or you really like what we do at 5 by 5 or you want had it to have a job starting in the new year, I like my job. I'd to, like to keep it. You can go to patreon.com slash 5 by 5 and donate. $2 would be amazing. $1 would be pretty awesome. More than that would be unbelievable. But we do need your help there. Help make this uh, a listener and ad supported uh, podcast network. And I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter if you want to tweet me with questions. 
or topic ideas. And uh, call yep. in. We'll be back next week. Yep. Have a good weekend, Hattie. You too, Ben. Bye. Bye.